It's great to see you all in here, girls. Do you have a good morning? Me too. I am stained red, crimson, like the color of sin all over my body. So I'm going to go home and have a bath and an exfoliate. I'm going to welcome these lovely ladies up to the stage and uh, introduce them. No, I'm not. I'll tell you what we're going to do first of all. Livy Gibbs has come to join us this morning. Give her a round of applause. She's going to um, share something with us about the fabulous book she's got in her hands. Hi, girls. Um, I don't know whether you get frustrated when you try and find books to read that are kind of interesting, funny, keep your attention, uh, about characters that you can kind of follow and be kind of, you know, like into, but you feel like all the books that are out there are just not really about subjects that you want to give your heart to or you want to spend hours reading. Well, fortunately, God knows about that. And so seven years ago, he spoke to a woman called Karen, who's actually at New Day this year. She was at New Day then as well. And God spoke to her about writing and using her gift in writing to create something that young women could read that would be interesting and fun and stimulating, but would actually help them grow as a disciple of Jesus at the same time. That's a cool double thing, isn't it? To have something that's really fun, a bit like what you've been doing in here all week and in the mornings, and helps you grow in Jesus. And so she's written a series of books about a character called, see if you can guess what the character's called. Someone said it over here. Livy. That's cool, isn't it? It's about a girl called Livy. It's not about me. So if you read this book and you think this is about me, it's not about me. She spells her name differently to me. But Livy Starling is a 13-year-old girl. She's not real. She's in the book. Who becomes a Christian from a completely non-Christian family background. And there are four books written about her. The first one is called In Search of Livy Starling. The second one is called Being Livy Starling. The third one is called Livy Starling Loves. And the fourth one is called... The flight of Livy Starling. And Livy Starling has a dream in her heart that as a new Christian, she wants to know what it means to follow God. She wants to know how that works out for her at home with her unsaved family, how that works out for her at school, how it's going to work out for her with boys and friends and music and all the stuff that is going on in her life and what God's got for her in the future. And she dreams big dreams, but she feels pretty insignificant. She's very funny. And I'd love you to meet her in the pages of these books. This afternoon, Karen is going to be in the depot where the bookshop is, and she's going to be doing a meet the author. So you can go along. You can buy book one, which is the first green one called In Search of Livy Starling. You can buy that book. You can buy any of them if you want. You can buy all four. And she will sign it for you and write a message in there personalized. Then you can go home and read it. My suggestion is that four of you go, you buy a book each and you take turns to read them between you so that you're sharing out the books amongst you. And I tell you, these books, you'll find them really funny. I've read two of them and they had me laughing out loud. I became a Christian when I was 13. So there's lots of parallels between me and Livy. But Some of the things that she talks about in the book are exactly what I went through as a teenage Christian. And I think many of you are going to find them really encouraging. You can even lend them to your friends who aren't Christians because they're that funny that they'll enjoy them as well. And at the same time, they'll find out what it means to be a Christian teenager who loves Jesus. So I'd encourage you to get to the depot this afternoon at three o'clock, meet Karen, buy some books and enjoy reading. Over to you, Cassie. Thanks, Livy. Sorry, I forgot. Hang on. Stand up if you gave your life to Jesus this week. Yes, let's clap them. Okay. I've got one book. The first one who gets here can have it. The first one who gets here can have it. There we go. If you snooze, you lose. Great. Thanks, Livy. Right, I'm going to welcome these fabulous ladies onto the stage with me. I'm going to, we're going to ask them their names and where they're from and their highlight of New Day 2017. So... Great, we have got another mic. That's fab. 
Katie, let's start with you. What's your name? My name is Katie. <laughs> Katie Virgo. Where are you from? I'm from Cisco in Brighton. And what is your highlight of New Day 2017? My highlight of this New Day is, I think, probably that my son brought a non-Christian mate and he became a Christian last night. Hooray! Fantastic. Great. Do you want to... What's your name? My name is Rianne. Rianne. Is that because you're all called Rianne as well? <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, Jubilee Church in Derby. Oh, that's why. And tell me, what's your highlight of New Day this year? Um, that's a really easy one. Definitely, uh, I can't even remember what morning it was. Steve was preaching here in 12 to 14s and um, people just started standing up. He hadn't even called them to stand and people just started standing, giving their lives to Jesus. It was incredible. Great. Taylor, what's your, what, uh, sorry, what's your name? <laughs> it's Taylor. Oh, what a lovely name. And where are you from? Uh, I am from rugby, but I'm at Southampton now, Life Church Southampton. Great. What's the highlight of New Day 2017 for you? So, obviously, people giving their lives to Jesus. It's amazing. But second, the dinosaur dangle battle. <laughs> it was special, so special. It was really special, wasn't it? You stole mine. <laughs> What's your name? Um, my name is Lauren. Lauren, and where are you from? And I'm from CCK Brighton. No Brightons. Way! <laughs> <laughs> oh, One. poor Lauren. Oh. Lauren, what's the highlight of New Day for you? Um, apart from Dino Dangle, I think last night um, when Toppy was talking about being fearless, I thought that was very, very exciting. It was awesome. Great. And in case you don't know, my name's Cassie. I'm from Woking. And uh, my highlight is, it, as you all found out yesterday, it is my last new day, certainly for now. And uh, just the privilege of serving you guys again and seeing God working and moving in your lives. It's a very exciting thing to do. And I hope that in the future, some of you girls will be up here doing what I've done because it's an exciting place to be. And to hear stories years later of Im lives that you've impacted, for me, that's just been really exciting this week as stories have come back to me of things I've been involved in and I want to encourage you girls that one day you'll be hearing stories too about lives that you've impacted so amen we have had lots and lots of questions text in so if you don't hear the exact question that you text in read out that's because we felt it was very similar to another question and we hope that the topics that we cover this morning answer your questions but if at the end you still feel like you've got big questions to ask then please come and chat to us chat to your orange t-shirts or or go back to your youth leaders and talk to them because we've got a limited time and we want to help you you as best as we can but please don't feel that we don't love you or that we haven't done a great job if we don't answer your questions specifically as we head through this morning we've got some big topics to cover and we're going to do our best to do that in a short and snappy way so let's start off with something not too heavy I'm going to find it now Taylor are you ready 
We had some questions about sharing your faith. So how can we respond to people who make fun of our faith? How can we share our faith with those of other religions without being disrespectful by implying theirs is wrong? And how do I persuade my friends to come to church and listen and not just come for the bouncy castle? Okay, cool. We all love a bouncy castle. Um, Yeah, I guess the first thing I would say to that is um, that your faith... Uh, in Jesus Christ is not something to be ashamed of. I know sometimes when we come to speaking to friends or people who maybe have a different faith, we think that it's something dirty or shameful that we're getting out of our bag um, and have to talk about and it's going to be really awkward. Um, and I just want to say it's not that at all. It's something really exciting. Um, I guess how I like to think of it is um, imagine being at a buffet. Anyone who knows me knows that I always talk about food. So this is how we're going to paint the picture. You're at a buffet. Um, I'm at a buffet with Cassie. We're at a party and Cassie has chosen an all right Victoria sponge. She's got this lovely cake and she's eating it and she's thinking, this is epic, this is great, the jam is just sweet enough, the cream is good. But I have found the ultimate chocolate cake. I have this this plate of gooey goodness, chocolate, there's white chocolate stars on top and sprinkles and all this stuff. And basically the idea is that I would go to Cassie in love. I wouldn't go to Cassie and say, your cake sucks, your cake is stupid, cake is rubbish, my cake is the best. Because we all love cake. We'll all take a cake wherever we can, right? So I would go to Cassie as a loving friend and say, look, I know you love cake and I love cake. We're looking for sugar. We're looking for good taste. We're looking for flavor. I just want to share with you that I think I've found something pretty awesome over there on the table. Have you seen this chocolate? Have you seen this goo? Have you seen these white chocolate stars on top? I know you like sugar. I can tell by your plate that you like sugar. So do you fancy a taste of mine just to see what you think of it? And I think it's similar with Jesus. All you're doing is you're going to friends, people who are of a different faith, and you're saying, yeah, you're looking for love. We all love love. You're looking for someone who's never going to leave you. Yeah, me too. You're looking for someone who says you're, you're worth it. You're, you've got so much value. Yeah, so am I. So let me just tell you what I've found that I think is really awesome. And maybe you want to try it. And it's as simple as that, really. It's not something shameful. What you've got is incredible. And there's a whole world of people that are looking for it. They do want it. So I guess it's just about sharing what you've got. Um, And in terms of the bouncy castle, yeah, we all love a bouncy castle. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a problem if your friends want to come for the bouncy castle. Because God has a very clever and loving way um, of knowing how to show up when someone's come for something else. Um, God loves fun. God loves people coming to his family and spending time with them. So even if they're just coming for a cup of tea or for a bouncy castle or for the music, they're coming to be around the church. They're coming to experience you guys and therefore experience God. So as long as it's good, whatever gets them there, I mean, it's an opportunity to share your faith, share that chocolate cake. Yeah. Anybody want to add to that at all? The, um, I think um, when um, people have different faiths and different religions, I think um, showing love and showing respect to what they believe, the heritage they're a part of, everything they've learned, everything that they um, hold dear to, so I think I'd be very careful about how I communicated to them because the very core of them is wrapped up in, um, yeah, in their heritage and in their faith and, and their belief system. But I think it, it says in the Bible that the only way about is, is coming, through, um, coming to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And I think when you know that, that, that you do want to introduce the person of Jesus Christ to other people, and um, when you become a Christian... The, it's not because of anything that you have done. 
it's all because of what Jesus has done for you. And then lots of other religions, to become um, um, self-actualized, to become um, part of their religions, it's all often about works and earning the right to become um, a part of that faith. And I think the Christianity is very, very different. And so it's kind of showing respect, but also kind of showing a desire of wanting to act out and being a good Christian to them, and loving them, and still explaining what you do know to be true in him, but still not treading on or pulling down everything that they've held true and held dear to them. So I think we shouldn't be embarrassed, and um, but it's just communicating things in a way that means you aren't bringing them down, but you can still be strong in thinking, no, I really do think that I really do know deep in my heart that I have met the person of Jesus Christ. He has changed me. I'm now a Christian. I'm born again. And I'm clear that I am going to heaven because Holy Spirit has done something in my heart that has changed me and sealed that to, know, to know, now know that that is happening. But it's still kind of being full of faith and excitement of wanting to share that good news that you've found, but without criticizing anyone else or pulling them down. So it is reading scriptures, working it out of them. Oh, so what does that mean? And what do you, what, how does we read some scriptures together? What would you say? What does your faith mean when you read that scripture? Because this is what actually, when I read this scripture, this is what I think Jesus has done for me. And it's actually not being scared to actually I don't mean compare, but actually just discuss it. And when you realize the person of Jesus keeps coming through, I think there'll be more fruit than you realize from doing that. Great. Thank you. Okay. Next question. Why is it so easy to ignore God and carry on sinning when you are aware, when you are aware you're doing wrong? How do I know whether it's God trying to test me or the devil trying to tempt me? And Lauren's going to start off on this one. I think... Um I think, first of all, I don't think God necessarily calls us to be tested. I think we certainly get tempted, and I think there's, there's stories of people in the Bible. You look at Joseph, you look at all the difficulties he went through with his brothers, and Job, and the story of Job. Even Jesus was tempted. We're all tempted. But, you know, God, God just wants us to come with our temptations. I think it's, um, you know, we don't have to come to God perfect we're not coming to God all tempt free but we come to a God who is gracious who is loving who is kind he wants us to give mercy to us um but also God doesn't leave us in the fire you know the song that we were singing this morning um it's uh what does it the line it says even through the fire you will not forget me you will you'll not stop holding me and I think it's really important that God holds us in these trials he holds us in these temptations that he is looking to sometimes teach us more of his um um what his character through the bible sometimes he wants us to come to us and just to get to know him more and through times of difficulty we're called to reach out to him all the more and sometimes that's really hard I'm not saying that it's easy. Um, temptation is really difficult. And that's why God gives us the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is here to help us when we're in times of difficulty. And um, I'd really encourage you as well um, to lean on the Spirit when you're feeling tempted, when you're feeling like you want to say yes to sin. Um, think of what Topi was saying last night, that we are called to be fearless. The devil is real. The devil wants to tempt us, but we have a God that is so much more powerful than the devil. We have a God that says, um, that, you know, we don't have to come to that at all. But um, God gives us friends. 
He gives us youth leaders. It's important to be covering yourself with people around you to help you. Um, it's, not, it's not easy, like, um, you know, being a Christian on your own. It's, it's hard, and we need friends that are going to help us. Um, you know, growing up in youth, I had my friends, girlfriends of mine being like, Lauren, why did you say that? Why did you do that? And it was so important for me to have girls that were looking out for me, youth leaders that would shape me um, to constantly come back to a God that is so merciful. He's so gracious. He wants us to come to us with everything um, to, to, to continually help us. We're on this platform not because we're perfect. We are all tempted. I'm sure we can all talk about the temptations that we've had, but we can all testify that God has constantly been with us. He's remained strong. He's remained faithful, and we can continually come to him because of what Jesus has done for us. Great. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take one. If God knows everything, then why did he not know the snake was going to persuade Adam to eat the apple? Why did God let us live and kill his own son? The Bible says that God made us in his image. That means that we were given um, free choice. We were given an understanding that other animals don't have. Um, That's what makes us human. And when the snake persuaded Eve and Adam to eat that apple or the fruit in the Garden of Eden, God did know that that was going to happen because he does know everything. But he also allowed it to happen because he wanted to create us in his image. And as Lauren was talking about, we all face temptation. We're all born sinners. We're all born um, in a place where none of us live up to God's standard. And God gave us choice within that. And it's when we become Christians that we're then totally saved and clothed in Christ's righteousness. So when Adam and Eve were in that garden... They were sinners, just like we were before we knew Jesus. And they made a choice to turn their back on God and to take the fruit from the tree that God had told them was forbidden. And God knew that that was going to happen. And all of that led to a time where right from the beginning of time, Jesus knew that he was going to die on the cross for us. It was God's eternal plan that although we would sin and fall away, that he had a redemption plan for us. And that was that Jesus would stand, he would live a perfect, sinless life, he wouldn't mess up, and he would die a perfect death. That would be a sacrifice for each one of us. And God was involved in that plan that was always his plan to save us because we needed saving we all fall short of the glory of God but Jesus died for us and made a way for us to be saved and be redeemed so that our sovereign father who does know all things did know these things were going to happen but it was his way of saving you. So part of that question is, why did God let us live? Well, you were made to bring glory to God. You were made to worship him and to glorify his name and to love him and to be loved by him. And God created you for that purpose. And as you live that out, as you come to know Jesus and his forgiveness that you find at the cross, then you will bring glory to him. But to make that happen, God had to give you free choice to allow us to face temptation. 
so that we can stand up for Jesus, so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and let him shine out through us as Christians. Okay, anyone want to add to that at all? Thank you. You did really well. Okay, we've had a lot of questions that are arounding the topic of uh, sex. We're going to kind of break those down into a few different topics. And the first one is all about lust. So is it okay to lust but not act on it? Is it okay to read fan fiction uh, when it's dirty and sexual? Is it okay to masturbate? So we're going to kind of just have a chat about those kind of questions at the moment. And Rianne's going to start us off. Okay, so they're all really big things that everyone's sort of gone, oh, do we talk about that at New Day? Do we talk about that at church? And the answer is yes, we should be talking about these things in church. We should be talking about these things with your youth leaders. These are massive topics that... Let's face it, we all struggle with at some point in our life. Every single person in this room has struggled with those things in, in their lives. And we'd be liars if, if we sat up here and said that we've never, we've never faced that temptation. Of course we have. We're human. So it's so, so important to realize that this is something that happens to us all. This is not embarrassing. And this is something we should be talking about in church. Um, so I'll start with um, lust. So... Lust is kind of defined as, um, is very different to attraction. So if you're feeling attracted to somebody, um, and that, that's something that you can work with, talk to your youth leaders and those kinds of things. But lust is wanting something that you're not entitled to. So it's, it, it's different to attraction in that you would be going after it, as, and, and it's not something that you can have at this moment. Um, so things that fuel lust are things like, leading into the fan fiction. So fan fiction is, um, is stories that are written about, um, about characters that often have kind of like a dirty, was the word used in the text message, um, or a sexual vibe. Um, so this is, is reading fan fiction wrong. Now, some girls go to fan fiction because they're afraid of pornography. Pornography is something that um, is more associated with boys, um, but girls watch it too. Um, it's more associated with boys, but girls feel like they can kind of slip aside from pornography and sometimes they turn to these stories because reading is okay. Um, and the answer would kind of be, well, they kind of fall under the same category. So both pornography and reading these fan fiction stories are going to fuel your mind. They're going to fuel your imagination so that in those moments of lust, you've got something. Your, your brain is exercising that muscle and you're, you're able to fuel that. This is not God's plan for attraction. This is not God's plan for sex. God has got something so much bigger for us. Um, and then that, of course, all of that, all of that fueling, all of that reading the fan fiction, the, the lust that you feel, that leads us to the topic of masturbation. Um, is masturbation okay? Masturbation is, it's a selfish act, isn't it? It's something that you're doing, you're doing it alone, it's fueling your imagination, all of those things that you're thinking about sex that aren't God's way for sex. Sex is something that you're giving of yourself. You're giving it to your husband, and it is a beautiful thing. It is an amazing thing that God has got for those of you who are going to get married. That's what God has for you, and it is a beautiful thing for you to enjoy when you get married. And to tarnish it, 
by saying that um, these thoughts are wrong, you don't want to be taking that into your marriage. You don't, you don't want to automatically think that these things are bad. I'm not allowed to think these things. Because when you get to your marriage and you're suddenly allowed to enjoy these things, it breaks God's heart to see you thinking, but this is wrong. It is so not wrong, which is why we want to save those things for our marriage. So things like all this fuel that you're giving yourself, you know that it's not, it's not in the right context. It's lusting after something that isn't yours. It's not yours until you get married. And then it's all about giving of yourself to your husband. And it is a beautiful thing that God has created. How did you get into this world? How did you get here? Two people had to have sex, and that is a beautiful thing. Oh, don't make us think about that, please. <laughs> it, is a, it, is a, it is a beautiful thing that God intended. It's how you guys got here, and God loves you. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, save, it, save those, all of those things. Store up all of those things for your marriage, because exercising that, fueling that, when you know it's wrong, it's going to build up a guilt, and you don't want that in your marriage. Yeah, um, that's so helpful. And I've learned some. I didn't know what that... What did you call it? Fan... Fan fiction. Yeah, that was just... Sorry. Education there. The, um, I think that um, at 12 to 14, I think in this... The culture that you are being brought up in, I think the expectation to have not had sex, to not have masturbated, to... Um, to not be interested to be saying no thank you to the opposite sex or even the same sex at points. I think the pressure from 12 to 14 can be immense and I just want to remind you that this is not what God's best is for you and it is okay for you to be so different to your friends for when they want to show you things, whether it's on YouTube clips, whether it's on Snapchat, whatever feeds, whatever stuff that they are looking at, that we are being asked by God to be pure and that means so often that we need to gouge our eye out, is what it is, is scripture is saying. If there's something that's tempting you, gouge your eye out. And I just want to raise the bar again and just say, it's okay to be so strong with your, no thank you. I'm going to be so different to what you are doing. Just because you are looking at that, just because you're reading that, just because my mates are doing that, that it's okay to be saying, no, I'm not doing that. Because I think you can be made to feel very small and very awkward and odd or alien because you're not looking at things or doing things or touching things well actually God has said there's a better way there is a purer way and your friends can be saying oh but but if you're not doing this or if you're not trying this how are you going to know when you then do meet your future partner or how will you know but actually you've just got to trust God and if you remain pure you've got to just trust God that when you get to the future when you kind of enter into different conversations at 16 17 18 when you are ready to maybe consider marriage or long term that God will be good will help you at that point but at this age I just want to plead with you to not respond to the culture the way it's forcing you and pushing you to look sexual act sexual and be interested in these sexual things because at 12 to 14 you should be having so much fun with groups of friends having fun having a laugh but it doesn't need to be through that sexual um kind of window that's such a small shallow rubbish window compared to the fun of the world of adventure that you can be running for great thank you ladies sorry i just want to say really quickly um on top of that that um 
For those of you who maybe have slipped up in this area, it's not to say that if you already have slipped up in that area that it's too late, that you're broken, that you know there's no point trying anymore. I just want to put that out there um, because we are made whole in Christ. Um, Jesus has covered all of our sin. Um, it's okay to start again, start afresh, um, and that he sees, the Bible talks about Jesus and God seeing as perfect those who are being made holy. It's the idea that as we're working it out, we're, we're choosing to, to go for that again, to start again, to work this area out. God sees us as perfect from start to finish. So I just want to throw out there that any of you that have slipped up and you're thinking, oh gosh, like I'm already tarnished. It's not true. It's a lie. Um, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, you are whole in Christ um, and that he loves you. He sees you as perfect. And just go again and show people something different. Great. Thank you. Okay. We've got a question. Uh, let's have an answer from each of you, just super snappy. What books are good for studying in the Bible? What's your favourite book to read in the Bible? That's what it says, yeah, studying in the Bible. And my favourite book of the Bible is how I'm understanding the question. Uh, my favourite one, I think, would be Proverbs. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say our favourite, in fact. I'm changing it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Proverbs, um, just because it's easy to read. You can look at it, and it's words of wisdom that I think will help in every season and every stage of life. Great. Lauren? One of my favourite books in the Bible, there's many, but um, is the Psalms, mainly because um, I love reading them in my quiet time to Jesus because they're just, of, um, just prayers to God. And if you read the Psalms and you want to understand how it is to honestly pray, then I'd encourage you to read the Psalms because they start often quite dark and quite intense and it's really, it's, it's tough. But by the end of the Psalm, they're worshipping God and it's just taught me how to worship God through difficult times. So I'd encourage you to read the Psalms. Great. Taylor? Oh, that's so hard. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, we'll come back to you, Rianne. Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose one of the Gospels. Um, I'm going to go for Luke because it uh, just really clearly kind of just goes through Jesus' life. Um, and it's like an account of the stuff that he was doing. And I think it's just really, really cool to read through kind of what Jesus did, like day to day, see what he said, activities he got to up to, miracles. Amazing. It's a really cool account of Jesus' life. So mine was the Psalms, just because it's so raw, so honest. People are like hurting. They're... Sorry, that one's taken. You yeah, need to so, pick another one. So I'm going to throw a curveball, just because I love, I think the whole Bible is incredible. I'm actually going to say Leviticus. Whoa, Whoa. Oh, she's gone right. there. No, the reason is because if you... I've takes, never even heard of Leviticus. No, it, it takes a while to get Leviticus. It's kind of like you want to just like flip through that really quickly. It's loads of rules. It's loads of like... A lot of people think it's boring rules, boring regulations. But what I love about Leviticus, if you can just get that, get a glimpse of that, it's all this list and list and list of things and actions and things that you need to do and rituals. And when I look at that, I just think, wow, praise God for Jesus, <laughs> that we are free from all of these rules and regulations and getting it right and doing everything perfectly and specifically that Jesus says, I have paid the price for you. So there's a new way to look at those books that you think are just like, Whoa, they are whoa, and we don't have to deal with that stuff. So that's amazing. Great. Um, I'm going to say the Book of Acts. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Book of Acts is a fantastic book that, following on from the Gospels, you then see what we get to do. So Jesus did it in the Gospels, and then you look at Acts and you see what the church was supposed to be like, what the disciples were like, how they went and lived, how the Holy Spirit worked through them. 
And you can read the book of Acts and say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I love it because it challenges me to think this is what I'm supposed to be like. I'm supposed to be walking past people on the street and seeing them healed and getting up and walking. I'm supposed to be living in a community that cares for one another, that shares all of their possessions. It's an exciting book to read and it's a great teaching resource for us. Now, you can see from the answers we've given that some of us have given wisdom books. Proverbs and Psalms, they're wisdom books. Leviticus is a law book. Um, Rhianne and I have both chosen story books. And you, what, we, what you need to do is you need to read the Bible. And so if you find a book in the Bible that you find easiest to read, then stick with it for now. But as you grow in your faith and in your understanding of the Bible, you need to try all of it because it's all good for us. All of it's God-breathed and it's uh, useful for teaching, rebuking, for growing in God, for training. So find a part of the Bible that you can get your teeth into. Mark is a really easy gospel to start with. So if you've never read the Bible before, when you go from here, why don't you make it your challenge to read the book of Mark before the end of the summer holidays? And that's a great place to start. And there's loads of resources that you can find to help you dig into the Bible as well. Joel mentioned the Fillmore series of uh, Straight to the Heart, and there's they dig into each book of the Bible and help you understand it more. But that might be, you might look at that and think, oh, that's a big book. I'm a bit intimidated by that. You can get daily readings where you just get a page to read to help you read a a chapter of scripture a day and help you do that. And if it's not every day you do it, that's okay. Go back to it. Don't, Don't feel let down. But it's as we dig into scripture and God's word that we see who God is and what he's done. And it's when we see who God is and what he's done for us, that's when we want to live to his standards. If you're just doing it because, you know, we, we have already touched on some topics. We're going to touch on a couple more. We're talking about living God's best. And the reason why we want to live God's best is because we are sold out for him. And the reason we're sold out for him is because we understand who he is and what he's done. And the way to understand that is to read the Bible and to dig into scripture. And when you see who God is and what he's done for us, I can say, I, I, I can't live for anything else now because there's nothing better than what I found in the Bible. And if you dig into God and find out more about him, then it will help you live to that higher standard that Katie's talking about. That will help you be different to those around you. Because you'll think, no, this is what I'm living for. All of this, it's rubbish. It says that in the Bible. All of the rest is rubbish compared to what I found in Jesus. Even the good stuff, it's all rubbish compared to what I found in Jesus. Okay. Katie's going to help us dig into the next questions. Um, I've been feeling very depressed. There's something wrong, but I'm not sure what I should do. I don't know what to tell my youth leaders. I'm scared of what they'll think of me. What does the Bible say about suicide? And how can I stop myself from wanting to self-harm? How can I become more happy and not sad? Um, On this topic, um, again, a bit like what Rianne's saying earlier, I think it's something that you need to know. It's appropriate very right it is something that affects many many people so it's something we can when I say it's very right it's right to talk about it I didn't finish my sentence so you should feel able to talk about it but again we can actually be embarrassed when we feel depressed we can feel embarrassed of certainly self-harming or any suicidal thoughts that can happen 
And um, it's a difficult thing to then tell somebody else because you feel like you're going to be judged, embarrassed, humiliated, or even being told, well, you can't be a Christian then if you have any thoughts like that. I think um, it's, it's, it's good for you to know that many people have those thoughts. It's good for you to know. Some people, even on this panel, have been through dep- depression and then have come out of the other side of it. Um, depression is very different than just having... Um, so I've never had depression, but I've definitely had seasons where I have been low and I've been more teary than others. And that can be hormonal or it can be a medical thing, but it, there's a different thing of just being going through a negative season or going through a tough season that you're having to hold on to God in a way that you've never had to hold on to him before because of circumstance or for me, it might have been after having a baby and my hormones have just gone crazy, but it can be other hormonal things when, obviously, when you're going through puberty and stuff. When you hit something that is then medically can be called depression, it is when you are in a dark cloud, a dark fog, and you are not thinking straight. And it is even very, very difficult to even ask for help. My plea to you would be just to, to grab an orange top or even one of us to grab a wrist even now, as I'm doing to Rianne, if you go up and grab a wrist, even today, and um, I'm gonna, they're going to know that it's a cry for help, that you cannot get your words out right now, but you've been having suicidal thoughts, um, thinking that it, you're so dirty or you're so low that you shouldn't be and you don't deserve to be living, and there is no, there is no way out of your dark situation, and you are not thinking. If you grab a wrist, whether it's an orange top, or whether it's one of us up the front, we know it's going to be a cry for help that you are unable to get words on right now. That is very different. That probably means that you may need some kind of medical help, can be even counselling. Um, if you find that you, that you find it difficult to talk to your own youth leaders, there are the other youth leaders here that want to help you. Um, some of the, the green caps and stuff, that they're, they're just trained to help you. But there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. But our plea is that you, there is nothing wrong with you except that you need help. We all need help at different times, at different seasons, and you might need help right now. Um, Satan would love you to feel alone, and he would love you to, to think that no one cares. We care so much. If one person right now is able to grab a wrist of someone today and say, I need help, I need to talk about this, then we would feel that, that is a success from how we've spent this hour so please don't think that no one cares. In terms of self-harm, again, um, that can be something you can be tempted to do, or you may have done, you may have thought about, you've got a friend who does that. Um, right now from this platform, I would say, talk about it. Bring, into the, bring it into the light. Satan would love you to pull your jumpers down over your wrists and never tell anyone about it. We would love you to talk about it today. And if that is, again, one person in this room talks about how they're tempted to do that or has done it, and that is what we bring to the light um, and God wants to shine a light on that and say, there is help, there is care, there's people that love you, then we would see that as a success from today. So um, please grab a wrist and get help. Great, thank you. We have got some big topics still to cover and we're just whizzing through time. So we're going to also point you towards some other resources that can help you answer some of these questions. Um, there's some questions about homosexuality. Uh, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? If someone is gay and they're a really strong Christian, they worship and pray a lot, would God, God let them enter into heaven? I've got two friends who are girls who are going out. How should I act around them? 
Now, we've been talking about living uh, at God's standard and a, and a higher standard is what we're called to. And we want to um, help you understand what God's best is. We all fall short of God's best and homosexuality is not God's best. It's not his design. But I, I haven't really got time to unpack that with you. And if you would like to hear more about that, there was an excellent seminar this week, which you can find online and download and listen to. It's by a guy called Luke Ilam. Luke Aylen. Luke Aylen. Um, and you can find that on the New Day website. You can listen to that and it can really help you look at the scriptures behind it and what God's saying about it. Um, Lauren's just going to add to that about having friends that are um, gay. Yeah. So um, my... At my work, I've got one of my best friends at work um, is gay and she's been with her girlfriend for, I think, the last eight years. Um, And we've become really good friends. And um, as me and my husband, we've just hung out with them. And we, you know, as I was getting to know them, I was like, oh, how shall I act around them? What should I do? What would God want me to do? And we've just made a deliberate choice um, as a family, really, just to to love them. You know, God and Jesus were so great at loving people in the Bible that not many people would love them. And what an amazing testimony it would be for her to have her experiences as as church. I'm probably her only friend that believes in God and that would call themselves a Christian, but I know that God loves her um, despite what um, decisions she's made. Um, We just want to love them as, as 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 a friendship group. So we've made that deliberate decision. We invite them over to our house. We hang out with them um, we, um, uh, we don't talk about the subject. Um, I think it's, um, it, it, you don't have to, you know, you can put yourself into some awkward situations if you start asking about certain things. But I think the first thing that God wants us to be called to do is to love them for who they are. So if you've got friends that are gay, don't be afraid of inviting them to church. Don't be afraid of talking about Jesus. They actually came to our Christmas carol service. And one of the biggest things that I didn't want to happen was to everyone be like, Oh no, Lauren's brought two gay people into church. It's really important that we invite them in. We welcome them in. We show them who Jesus is. We love them. And it's really important to do that. So I'd encourage you, if you've got anyone at school who um, is gay or um, talks about it, befriend them. You know, don't, don't judge them. Um, love them the way that Jesus would. Great, thank you. Okay, the next questions we're going to touch on um, are all about the way that we view ourselves. So how do you accept yourself when you feel your sisters are better? Um, is not being comfortable with yourself or wanting to change going against the way God made you, like wearing makeup or weaves? Taylor. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think... Uh, Taylor, have you all... got makeup on this morning? I do have some... Mascara. Yeah, have you got makeup on this morning? I've got mascara. Mascara? You got makeup on? I think we can say that wearing makeup's okay. Yeah. And having a weave, although I've never had one myself. <laughs> I have. It's a lot of effort. Is it? I mean, like, <laughs> just, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think um, the question about uh, my sisters, I think that um, highlights a really key part of this self image thing and the way we see ourselves, which is comparison. Um, comparison is one of the biggest um, tools that the enemy has to make sure that you're looking at other people rather than looking at yourself because the enemy knows that if you were looking at yourself and what God has placed in you um, to use, um, then you would be a weapon 
um, in the world because God has placed beautiful things in you. He thinks you're incredible. Um, he actually created you. He chose you um, before he decided where to put each tree and what, what um, plants he was going to place on the earth. He knew that you were going to be here and you were going to be uniquely you. Um, so I would say when it comes to comparison... It's just destructive. Um, if you're looking at someone else, then you're not looking at the amazing things um, that you have. Um, God knows how many hairs are on your head. He thinks you're incredible. There's gifts that you have to use um, powerfully in this world. Um, I know we had another great seminar this week um, with Emma Scrivener. Um, she's an amazing woman. She talks a lot um, about body image. She talks a lot about the way we look. Um, so I definitely recommend um, going online and looking at that seminar as well when it comes to the more physical aspect. Um, of of body image and yeah great thank you and there's a question about gossip is it okay to gossip anyone want to grab that one (laughs) I want to speak to you then and uh, you girls you young women you need to stand alongside each other Uh, Lauren talked a little bit about accountability Sometimes when you're walking with God, it's tough and it's hard. And I want to encourage you to stand together. And one of that, one of those things as you support each other and you press on in God is that you don't gossip and that you don't um, badmouth each other behind each other's backs. And as you do that, work that out in your Christian friendships, you can then work that out in your non-Christian friendships as well. Sometimes I'm, I'm there when I hear other people talking, uh, friends that are outside of the church, I hear them talking about other people, other situations, and I just stay quiet because I want to live to a different standard to them. And that's what God's calling you to. And it's because it's good for us. We want to build each other up. We want to be good for one another. And if we gossip, if we're talking about people behind their backs, that's not going to help each other. It's not God's best for each other. So let's speak good things to each other. Let's build each other up in our words and in our actions. So is gossip okay? When you're you're passing something on that you know, think, "Do do I need to tell this person what I'm about to tell them? That's a good standard to live by. Is there any reason that I'm telling them this information? And if there's not, then think, well, actually, I don't really need to tell you that so-and-so kissed so-and-so or so-and-so said this about so-and-so. You don't need to pass it on. Um, I think of just um, treating others how you want to be treated. And um, I think of some of the, again, I kind of think of times where on WhatsApp and things like that and social media, it becomes seen as the norm to bring someone down and again I say let's let's have a different standard and culture says bring someone up and then smash them down and do it as publicly as we can we're we're told to be different treat others how you want to be treated do you want to be brought down publicly do you want to be publicly humiliated I certainly don't and um, and I don't think others do and I think a true friend which again we've forgotten what friendship is a true friend is somebody that feels like can say Cassie how you spoke then was just a bit harsh to that person, or how you spoke then, um, I just don't think we should be having this conversation behind their back. I want to challenge you, be a true friend, which means that you are watching their back, and together as a group of girls in your youth group, you're thinking, we are going to be different, and we're going to be treating others how we want to be treated. And it's something you need to learn now at 12 to 14, 
But I can guarantee that when you're 24, when you're 42, it is still as tempting to gossip. It's kind of like is it, the Bible talks about it being like a, a morsel that you kind of, it's like, oh, this is quite exciting. It's something that we're attracted to. So you kind of, you need to learn the lesson now, take it into friendship, learn to be trusted. And, um, and it's something that you may still be challenged on as you kind of learn what friendship is more and more, even as you're getting older. So learn it now. Think about it now. We're touching on loads of things in here. And at the end, we're going to give you a chance to come and be prayed for. So anything that comes up, anything that you think, actually, I just want to chat to somebody about that, then please come and chat with us and pray with us at the end. You've got 30 seconds. I just wanted to say on that, um, just another practical way is to pray. Um, you know, sometimes we're frustrated about something and the temptation is to just tell someone else so they can just say, yeah, I agree with that. One of the first places we need to go first is God. Um, and he asks us to pray for our enemies. And I found that a really helpful way for God to just change my heart for that person by speaking to God about it. But if it is something that is consistent and stuff that has really frustrated you or someone's hurt you, then please talk about it with your youth leader and walk it through in the proper way rather than turning to temptation of gossiping. Because gossiping will just stir it up like a big, big mud ball and it's never going to get anywhere. You need to properly pray process that and you need to process that through God and also through leaders around you so please don't um don't just turn to gossip turn to prayer there's a question about women preaching and why are there more men preaching than women um in the local church the bible talks about male headship it talks about uh men and women being equal and loved and treasured by God but that sometimes our roles can be different and it talks about male headship both at home and in the church. And in the local church, um, elders, the position of eldership is for men. And they have to lead the church and they have great responsibility in that. And I worked for my church for eight years and I saw some of the things the elders had to deal with and uh, the pastoral situations that they had to help people through and the discipline they had to bring. And I have to say that I think that it's God's grace upon women that we don't have to carry some of that responsibility. It is a great weight to be an elder. And I think that it's God's grace to us that we can let the guys carry that. And when you're leading a church, you have a very small window where you actually get to input into your congregation. So you probably find that most weeks it will be the elders that are speaking in your church because they want to lead your church well. And they have a Sunday morning a week to be able to do that. God may have placed a new teaching gift and preaching gift. And I think that God's placed that within me. And I would say that God has opened doors for me to be able to use that in all different situations. This is one of them, where God gives me an opportunity to come and speak. And as I have laid down New Day for a while, I feel like God's already said to me, I've got new adventures for you and new opportunities for you. So if you have that desire within you to teach and to preach, then get stuck into the Bible, get trained, uh, come alongside people who love God's word and grow in it, and seek out opportunities where you can do that, whether that's in your small groups, whether that's um, in children's work, youth groups, whether that's in Alpha, that's an opportunity where God's opened a door for me recently. I'm speaking on an Alpha course quite regularly. God wants to rise up young women who can teach and preach, So, and the way you can do that is to train yourself in God's word. So get stuck into that and be obedient to what God's called you to and doors will open for you to be able to step out in that gifting. Another massive topic 
that we have questions about is sex. And we've talked a little bit about lust and masturbation and things kind of when you're on your own. But there's also big questions about, is it okay to have sex before you get married? Why is it okay for guys to have sex and not girls? I'm going to give Katie two minutes and I'm going to stop you after two minutes to just talk about sex and is it okay? Let's talk about sex, baby. (laughs) Showing my age, sorry. Your time has started. Oh, sorry, and I wasted it with rubbish singing. Um, Okay, so I think Rianne's covered again... Um, start of the topic, um, sex within marriage is is great. It's where God's intended it to be. It's um, it, it's kind of it, it's fun and brilliant, and that's what His plan was. I think again, sex is now being drawn into um, just kind of experimenting. Um, I think in our culture, we're being pushed into kind of thinking that it's the norm to have sex outside of marriage, not with men and women. And I think we just want to go for what God's best is. And um, so is it right to have sex outside of marriage? No, it is not, because that is not what God's best is. So it, it is not what, and we want to do what God's best is. And I think, again, like how Taylor said, if it's something you've experimented with or you're tempted by, let's just, let's talk about it. Let's say what we're tempted by. Let's say what, um, what the issues are. If, uh, um, if you're in a relationship and you feel like it's getting too intimate, um, you need to, again, go to a youth leader. What would you do here? Can you help me out, please? What things can you put in place? Um, when I was dating my husband, we had very clear boundaries about what we were going to do and not going to do when we were going out. And we both had, I had a, a girl that I would talk to about that, and Joel had a guy that he talked to about that. And we talked very regularly about somebody, and it was somebody that we know that would get in our face and say, no, don't do that. Or somebody that we knew that would be, we could be really honest with. So again, get talking about it. Somebody who you can be accountable, somebody, a friend that will speak into your life and speak clearly. Um, Great. Just to be clear, when we're talking about sex, we're not just talking about intercourse. We're talking about a whole load of sexual activities that actually God wants you to stay away from because... If you get caught in some of it, you can easily get dragged down into everything. Um, but also that God's got grace for you. And so that if you've already dabbled in things, experimented, then that's okay. Because God forgives you and God can help you to raise the bar again. So this is how I'm going to live. We'd love to pray with you this morning to help you draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm not going back there. So um, God's got grace for you and he's got strength for you to live a godly life that pleases him. The last topic we're going to just touch on is suffering. There's questions about why have I not been healed when I've prayed? Why is there suffering in the world? Um, God loves you. He loves each one of us. And Steve brought a really helpful illustration in here the other day when he had the rope with that tiny bit of tape at the beginning and that long rope that kept coming. There is suffering in this world. And when Adam and Eve did mess up in the garden, the world broke, basically. It's decaying, it's falling apart. And so some suffering we can see as a deliberate result of somebody's actions. Things like the Manchester bombings recently, the attacks in London. Somebody did something wrong and that caused somebody suffering. Sometimes there's other suffering. I'm I feel like almost every week at the moment, I'm finding out one of my friends has got cancer. That, that's nobody's fault. Nobody did anything to make them have cancer. 
but we're surrounded by it. And that's because the world's decaying and because there's sin in the world and the world is broken. And, and God hates it and he stands with us in our suffering. Jesus suffered. He knows what it feels like and he brings his comfort to us. He brings his peace to us. He brings his joy to us. And he's promised us an eternity where there'll be no more tears, where there'll be no more suffering, no more pain, where we can stand with him. And that tiny fraction of that rope, it'll almost be forgotten because we'll be standing with Jesus face to face, because we'll be living an eternity knowing deep joy, knowing no more pain and no more suffering. Now, I know that as I'm saying this, some of you might be thinking, that's it, that's all you're giving me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my family situation's like. My, my mum died recently. I, I don't know where you're at, but God does. And he loves you where you are. And we'd love to pray with you this morning if you're really hurting. Then please do come, come out. I mean, in just a moment, I'm going to call you forward and if, the, if you want to come and have some prayer this morning. These are massive, massive topics. We've given 30 seconds to two minutes on topics here that you could study for weeks. And I don't want to just skim over them. There, ha, go on the New Day website. There are seminars. There's whole seminars about suffering. There's whole seminars about self-image, about homosexuality. So if these are your questions... There are greater places where you can come and find out more about it. There's books you can read. You know, if you're good at listening, then find the downloads. If you're good at reading, then go and seek out the books. If you're good at talking, then go and chat to your youth leaders. Go and do that anyway, because they probably, a lot of them, know more than us. I don't know how we ended up here. But there's youth leaders from your churches, elders from your churches, your parents. Go and talk. God loves it when we bring things into the light, our questions and things like that. So let's be open and let's talk. Let's help each other as we press on in Jesus. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to uh, come forward if you'd like prayer. If you've got, are there ice creams this morning? There are. You've got tickets, have you? No. Yes. Tickets are out there. If you haven't got one, I'm sorry, you just haven't got one. Okay. If you want to pray and you've got the right ticket color, then that's okay. We'll save you an ice cream. So don't think, I need to not pray because I want to get a ticket. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to come forward if you want prayer. Um, And then I'm going to release you. If you've got a green ticket, then you can have an ice cream this morning. But... Please respond first of all, because we want to make sure you've done the business that you need to do. Father, I thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, who loves each and every one of these young women here right now. Whatever place they've come from, whatever place they're going home to, whatever questions they have in you, you love them as your daughter. And I thank you for that wonderful love that wonderful grace that you have for each one of us. I pray if there are unanswered questions in their lives right now, that you would drop someone into their thoughts right now that would be able to go and have this chat with. 
someone that they can go and ask, someone that they can go and walk alongside as they return home to their churches. Would you rise up these young women to be mighty women for you? These girls can. Come and use them for your glory as they go back to their schools, their families, their churches. May they come. May, they, may some of these women be standing on this stage in a few years' time, bringing glory to you. And may some of them just be mighty warriors in their, in their schools, in their families, in their churches, in the background, bringing glory to you. It's what you made us for, Lord. We want to bring glory to your name. Help them as they press on with you, Holy Spirit. Equip them for all that you've called them to do, all that you've called them to be. Heal where there's damage. Bring restoration and bring your love. In Jesus' name.